Hey, thanks for stopping by. Welcome to our podcast, where we talk about the uncertainties in the economy, society, and employment during and after COVID-19. We'll have industry-leading experts from all around the world coming onto our show to share their experiences with us. Stay tuned and enjoy. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the second forum about overcoming COVID-19 Singapore's strategy to survive and thrive in the new normal e-forum series, titled New Normal, Reinventing Yourself for Pandemic Job Hunting. I'm Yuki from Peking University. I'm Sophia from Fudan University, and we will be the moderators for this session tonight. To start off, Lily from OSG will be giving us a short opening address. Lily, please. Yeah, hi. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for taking time this evening on our second evening uh, on reinventing yourself for pandemic or job hunting. I'm Lily from OSG Youth Alliance. Please allow me a few minutes to introduce OSG and why we are organizing this e-forum jointly with the Overseas Students Committee here. To begin, OSG Youth Alliance is a social enterprise established in Singapore. We have our presence in Singapore, Shanghai, Beijing, Shenzhen, and Hangzhou. OSG support a network of uh, global-minded and enterprising youth in developing their global-mindedness, resilience, and entrepreneurial spirit. Our core events and activities include OSG Talks series, Mentor for Mentee programs, Youth for Change, Learn for Exposure, and other upcoming signatures events. Okay, like many other uh, social enterprises, in light of the COVID-19 pandemic this year, OSG has leveraged on the popularity of the online platform and started organizing webinars, similar to today's sessions. In April, we introduced OSG Young Founders Weekly uh, Webinar, encouraging and motivating young founders to share their entrepreneurial stories to inspire innovation, creativity, and resilience among the youth in tough times like this. Together with two Singapore student organizations in China, Fudan University Singapore Student Association, which is FUSA, and Singapore Student Association, SSA Beijing, which aim to provide assistance to Singaporean students studying in China, we curated this e-forum series addressing the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic from a student perspective. Right. We hope you will enjoy what they have put together this evening and acknowledge their effort in balancing between their university studies and organizing this e-forum at the same time. And thank you very much for supporting their initiative to seek growth and self-development through active participation in projects like this with OSG. Without further ado, I will hand over the time to our moderator to officially kickstart today's session. Yuki and Sophia, over to you. Thank you, Lily. So before we introduce our distinguished speakers, let us explain the rationale behind the curation of this forum. The COVID-19 pandemic presents a volatile and uncertain future as the situation continues to escalate. Having our overseas education abruptly disrupted, the group of us from Peking University and Fudan University felt the first-hand impacts of COVID-19. We truly felt the need to understand the different concerns shared by Singaporean youths regarding COVID-19 and hence we seized this opportunity to collaborate with OSG to roll out this series of forums. 
We hope that this forum series can provide practical insights and advice from professionals, as well as spark in-depth discussion to gain, to gain clarity on the issues in different facets of society. We've received staunch support from organizations to present today's session. We are supported by Singapore Global Network, which broadens and strengthens Singapore's overseas networks, and National Youth Council, which drives youth development in Singapore. Other supporting organizations include Business China Youth Chapter, Singapore Chamber of Commerce and Industry in China, Singchem, and National Library Board. Personally, I'm a member under BCYC, which is a leading Singapore-based community that inspires Singapore youth to be China-savvy and facilitates the connections with China. Similarly, Singchen seeks to promote and expand Sino-Singapore economic exchanges, while NLB is our go-to agency for trusted, accessible library and information resources. We have also two student communities supporting us, NUS Enterprise and Nian Polytechnic Global Entrepreneurship Internship Program. Today's session is on pandemic job seeking, which is a highly relevant and concerning issue to many of us here today. We have three experts on the panel who will be addressing our questions and concerns. Firstly, through the moderated discussion facilitated by me and followed by a Q&A segment facilitated by Sophia. So now let's start off with a quick self-introduction for the audience to get to know our speakers better. Serena, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi everybody, my name is Serena. I am currently uh, the Senior Director for a technology company uh, that's in the space of uh, cybersecurity in uh, cloud services as well as in content delivery network. I've been a HR practitioner for about 28 years, so ever since I graduated from university. And I'm very delighted to be here to uh, spend this time with you and to share some of my insights with you. Thank you, Serena. Next up, Frank, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Oh, sure, Yuki. Hi, everyone. Good to see everyone here virtually today. My name is Frank Ku, and I look after the Asia business for talent and learning for LinkedIn. Uh, some of you down here would be members of LinkedIn. And uh, you know that as members, you know, you, you have your profile on LinkedIn, you post on LinkedIn, you have connections on LinkedIn. So what, what my team does in Asia is actually to ensure that the uh, employers are looking out for talent like you guys on LinkedIn. Uh, and they will brand the company accordingly so that uh, if you're interested, you can follow them. Um, I, I have uh, spent uh, probably, well, quite a number of years, I wouldn't say how long, uh, in, uh, in the industry. I started my career uh, in technology. I was hired into IBM from, from a campus and spent my first part of my career in technology. And then I decided to go into an education uh, uh, in uh, transforming education from prints to digital and into services. And that brought me to China. And it was about four years ago that I decided to return to Singapore after a two and a half year stint in Shanghai uh, and joined LinkedIn. And it's been a wonderful journey so far and look forward to sharing and learning from all of you here. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. Last but not least, Jesha, may we invite you to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi everyone. Um, so after you have joined on LinkedIn and after you, you meet people on LinkedIn, where do you go to meet the person in face-to-face, uh, -face, right? So it's Yakun. So um, that's where I'm from. Um, Oh, to put it short, I'm the I'm branding and marketing uh, market development for Yakun. But um, to 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 put it simply, I'm third generation, so Yakun is my grandfather. He is a real person. If if you ever wonder, he's actually a real person, and he's actually my grandfather. So um, uh, I've I've been with the business for about ten years, straight out straight out of the university, and um, uh, over the years, I have uh, we are we are currently in nine countries. 
Um, uh, you can find them on the website, but I, so I won't list them out. But uh, I helped set up a couple of them, not all, but uh, a bunch of them. And then also there are some failures along the way that we opened and closed. So um, if you want any questions regarding those, I'll be happy to share that. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, I, I'm generally in charge of the branding and marketing. So um, things like making sure that every shop looks the same, things like the posters, aligning of that, aligning of the, the themes, who do we, uh, who do we, um, who do we uh, bring on and uh, how do we, how do, who do we collaborate and things like that. And then also, um, it's also my, my, my office team, my HQ team is well created. They work together, they work with each other. Um, and so, so that's from this day is different as well. I also, I just wanted to uh, spread a little bit about what some other things I do in case people out there have any questions. Uh, I also um, help a little bit with some uh, musical side, uh, some, some music. So if anyone has questions about freelancing, um, freelancing in this economy, maybe I can uh, invite, uh, do a little bit. And then lastly, uh, I'm pretty involved with uh, National Youth Council. So if you have any questions about youth, um, some of the dynamic, I will try. I think I have much better people in the audience who can answer that. Um, but yeah, I will try. So that's a little bit about um, my background and I'm, very, look, I'm really looking forward to this time together. Thank you. Thank you for all of your introductions. So over the past week, we have collated a list of questions from our audience online on what they would like to hear about in today's moderated discussion. So now let us hear from our speakers. So for, for the audience today, do for, uh, keep your follow-up questions um, for our Q&A session later and refrain from using the chat room during this segment as we will be posting the moderated discussion questions in the chat room for your reference. So first up, we actually have a question for all three speakers. So what are some of the immediate impacts that COVID-19 has brought upon your industry and the job market in general? And what are some long-term changes you foresee in the, in the job market? So perhaps Frank, uh, can you share with us some of your observations and insights on this matter? Uh, yes, sure, uh, Yuki. So um, being the organization that runs the uh, platform for job search, as well as employment, um, we begin to see quite interesting uh, insights in the LinkedIn platform, uh, beginning actually in uh, early February. And that's when, uh, actually starting from China, the number of job posting actually went down pretty, pretty tremendously, uh, beginning from China. And then it spread to um, East Asia. And then by March, it has gone over to uh, Europe as well as um, uh, the US. And so we realized that actually the number of job posting on LinkedIn platform actually tracks the spread of coronavirus very, very well. Now, uh, interestingly, on, on the other hand, the number of job seekers, you know, people who are, you know, in your LinkedIn platform express you're open to opportunities or people that are actually looking at jobs and applying for jobs. And we can see this uh, through AI, we get uh, the, uh, the reports. Uh, it's actually increasing, um, especially in uh, the, the March and April time, timeline. And this is across um, many industries, but in particular in uh, retail and F&B and tourism sector. So, so we can see that uh, you know, the coronavirus actually does affect uh, many industries in terms of job opportunities, uh, both in terms of uh, employment roles as well as uh, the number of job seekers in the market. But a ray of hope actually uh, came in in uh, April, in the middle of April, where in China, we realized that there's a, a pickup in uh, job postings on LinkedIn. So I think uh, not all is uh, down. There is a ray of hope and uh, hopefully, you know, over time, 
when either you know COVID is uh, getting over or there is a bit more of um, herd immunity or the vaccine is uh, coming closer, then the sentiments of the market will pick up and uh, therefore the job opportunities will go back, go back up again. Thank you, Frank. What about Serena? What kind of changes do you observe in your industry? Yeah, maybe I'll share a little bit from the tech industry. So one of the things that we have realized is that this COVID-19 has created an increased demand on technology to support businesses across, right? As well as for job seekers as well. So we see that there's this increased demand uh, on technology that we have. Um, and we see and with this increased demand in technology, the our people, the people in the tech world needs to provide better services and support because there's suddenly a lot of bandwidth that's being used up in our technology, right? And our networks need to be able to support that. So we have our um, uh, people in network and in platforms working a, a lot more to make sure that our platforms remain stable and to be able to provide the services that we have. Um, from a HR perspective, I would say that it's very interesting as well because what we notice is that now HR is really trust in the forefront to partner the business even closer, you know, because now HR has to come up with ideas and methodology. How do you engage employees? How do you recruit them remotely? How do you onboard them remotely? What's the best way to continue engaging and performance managing a workforce that's all remote? Yeah. Thank you, Serena. Um, Jesha, could you share with us some of your thoughts, perhaps from a retail perspective? Yeah, so uh, um, obviously retail, hospitality, I mean, fund, fund lining, uh, customer facing industries are hit, the, hit one of the hardest. Um, it's hit hard also because of sentiment. So it's not, it's, it's not like a, it's one of the, it, it's a cluster or something like that, but it's just sentiment. People don't want to go out as much. Um, so we are definitely affected. However, I must say that people are still eating. Uh, my challenge to my team is that the population of Singapore has not changed. We are still 6 million very hungry people who need to eat, who need to buy clothes and um, equipment and stuff like that. Maybe shopping has, has dipped, but people are just channeling their energy and their, their resources elsewhere. So um, uh, the, in, in that sense, if, you are, if your business is very anchored into brick and mortar retail, it is a very, very good time to Rechannel your business because people out there still need to eat and they still need to shop. Um, granted, not as much, but definitely still, still so. Uh, what I do say, however, is that um, uh, uh, it has altered, it's altered the landscape in a very particular way. So I, I use my own business as an example. Yeah. So, so for Yakun, we have things like uh, the toaster, the brewer, the cleaners. You know, different, different like the cashier. So different stations with different people. Um, and then when, when uh, first the government did, uh, okay, you've got to reduce the table. So um, instead, uh, every table has a one meter apart. And then next, uh, I beg your pardon, prior to that was actually sticking lines on the floor. Then uh, it was reducing, it was splitting the tables. And then one, finally it became uh, no tables at all. So uh, unfortunately, the ones that, um, the, one, the, the first role that became um, excess was the ones who clean and obviously the ones who wash because uh, it's now, there's no serving, there's no cleaning, there is uh, no washing, everything is taken away, right? Uh, and so they were the ones that were, um, that were excessive to the, the outlet manpower and not to mention we needed to, to scatter people in the outlet to, not, to, to maintain a thinner uh, manpower. 
so what we did was that um, so, so so the first thing we had to do is that we, we couldn't say okay well you guys are you don't have to do anything um, uh, what we first did was we had to redeploy them into uh, maybe more social distancing ambassadors uh, maybe more of guiding directing uh, delivery men and things like that. so so straight away they had to be willing to change but one of, one of the things from the top down was that we, we said look they just because their role became um, uh, was not needed in this time does not mean that they're not part of the company and does not mean that we don't take care of them um, this this pandemic is something that we pass from person to person what if it's all what if it was waterborne for example then we all cannot serve coffee we can only serve toast does that mean that the brewers are redundant they, they can't they can't but it's not their fault right so um, the whole idea first is that we assured everybody that this is not your fault we are one company uh, you are still with us uh, but then we we need you to make yourself uh, to adapt to make yourself uh, adaptable flexible to change and uh, so we did that and um, we, it, we, we, that's why we tried to, we retained everybody, all the full time um, to ensure that that's, that's, that's priority. But moving forward, there'll be a lot of discussions on how and what and where do they go and how do they do that. Um, but that's the situation right now. Um, not just for us, I think a lot of the frontline um, retailers are feeling that too. And uh, uh, we will discuss in further how, to, how, how it will change very much. Thanks. Thank you, Jesha. So, um, would Frank or Serena, would you all like to add on to, um, to what Jesha has shared just now? I think what Jesha has uh, mentioned in terms of adaptability is really key uh, as we move forward, right? So, um, and with, you know, young uh, job seekers as they're looking out for opportunities as well, I think it's, it's important that they remember that to be very adaptable, to be willing to be uh, flexible with what they're looking for and to be willing to grow along with the organization. So, Jesha, I, I, I totally concur with your point. Let me just add that, uh, you know, from the uh, business owner's viewpoint, uh, in fact, I salute uh, Jesha in terms of, you know, wanting really so hard to retain your people. Mm. Uh, it's not easy because, uh, as all of us know, uh, cash flow is running out for quite a number of companies in many industries. And, um, you know, the, the headcount cost is actually a cost of the organization. So it's really admirable for some employers to want to continue to retain the people. Um, at the same time, some employees have no choice but to retrench the people. And then from, you know, the, um, the job market perspective, then there will be a lot of people in the market looking out for jobs, some of which um, desperately because they need to support the family. They may have a mortgage to pay. So it's uh, something which, uh, it's not an easy situation for Singapore or the rest of the world. And I think uh, sociologists are mindful of that, health experts are mindful of that. But I think all of us uh, also hope that uh, we can be mindful of some of our colleagues, our friends who may be in such situations as well. Thank you, Frank. Thank you all for sharing your insights on this issue. So now we'll be moving on to the second question, which I believe is in the minds of many students here today. So just now, Serena mentioned the importance of adaptability in graduates today during this period of um, the COVID-19 pandemic. So we would like to ask, so what are some particular skills that employers and businesses are looking out for in job seekers at this time? And how can fresh graduates calibrate themselves to, to meet shifting needs like this? So perhaps um, maybe in terms of uh, personal branding, perhaps Frank, you can share with us some tips on this aspect. 
Um, okay, right. I, I, I can start off. Um, so I guess, um, you know, employers have always been looking at certain qualities of, uh, you know, job seekers come COVID or not. I think that the only difference is that there is a lot more competition for every job, uh, you know, uh, during COVID because there are a lot of people who have been retrenched. Now, I think um, in terms of the, um, the, what they're looking for, I think it's mindful, uh, it's important for uh, job seekers to know that, you know, going for interview or seeking a job, it's not about solving their job problem. It's about solving, really about solving the employer's business issue. And that's why uh, we still see employ uh, companies having job openings, but on a very specific uh, area. And uh, why do they do that? Sometimes it's because uh, they are transforming the business model, right? Uh, as Serena has shared, there is a huge transformation from uh, brick and mortar business to digital business. So some companies are looking you know, at transforming the business model to be ready for the new uh, normal. Uh, some are actually reconfiguring the supply chain, right? Uh, because of US-China sanction challenges, uh, some uh, organizations are pulling out from uh, China. In fact, uh, Southeast Asia is one of the beneficiary uh, locations. So, but whatever it is, uh, employees are trying to solve the problem. Now, from the uh, job seekers perspective, so what do we do, right? First of all, uh, we need, uh, first of all, to have a, a longer term goal, right? Don't, don't uh, if you hope to uh, get a job within the next month or next few months, if you've just graduated, uh, it's going to be um, difficult, right? So have a long-term goal. Uh, also, the second thing I would suggest is understand yourself, understand what you are good at, and uh, what you want to do for long term that makes you happy and you can contribute to uh, the organization and uh, at the same time uh, where the opportunities are. As Serena says, there are a lot more opportunities in the tech sector but that does not mean that uh, every one of you have to be a, a data scientist or a, a Python programmer, right? Uh, as long as you are tech savvy, there are roles that are open that has uh, technology uh, uh, in there but uh, you can do a lot more things. Uh, and in terms of um, building your personal brand, uh, it's important for you to um, be able to reach out, right? Uh, first of all, I mean, obviously LinkedIn, we provide a platform for you to have your profile in there so that uh, for the first time, sometimes you may not have to look for a job, but jobs can look for you uh, because we enable uh, the talent acquisition or recruiters to look at your profile and we use AI engine to match your profile to the job requirements. So. Don't be surprised if sometimes recruiters reach out to you on uh, LinkedIn and ask you whether you're interested in the job, right? But I'll uh, have your profile ready. Uh, at the same time, uh, connect with people in companies that are interested to work in, in uh, industries that are interested to work in, so that uh, the, it, uh, you, you can learn more and maybe perhaps at a certain point in time, ask for advice from them when you apply for a certain company. Uh, but at the least of all is that our AI engine will look at your connection and would uh, favor you, if you would, in terms of uh, doing a job recommendation. At the same time, uh, share your knowledge about a certain industry, about certain skills on a social media. Uh, LinkedIn is one, but not necessarily just LinkedIn. You can have many social media platforms where you can share your thought leadership. Uh, uh, and so that uh, people know what you stand for, what you're good at, and uh, automatically they'll reach out to you. And especially uh, with um, AI engine behind many of the platforms, the, uh, the system can actually do an automatic matching for you uh, in particular areas that you're good at or you're interested in.
Yuki, I think you're on mute, Yuki. Yeah. Oh, okay. So sorry. Um, so on this note, um, thank you, Frank. So on this note, uh, actually many students are interested in finding, in finding out whether organizations at this point in time, there will be, uh, do they have any plans in increasing the number of incoming employees such as fresh, um, especially fresh graduates? And what are some industries that um, fresh, fresh graduates this year can look further into, especially in the private sector? Perhaps Serena can share with us more on this issue. Um, I think what, uh, for a fresh graduate, when you are looking out for your first job, it is important to show two things. Number one, to Frank's point, what are you passionate about? What do you feel strongly about? And that's the thing that actually comes out uh, in an interview. How do you stand out amongst all the candidates that we see, right? Um, and I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. A, a friend of mine was actually picked up by Google because he was very passionate. So he, he left his job, he was retrenched, and he went to set up a football club. And Google found that very interesting because he was very passionate about it. He really drove towards it and they reached out to him. And that was his break. And that's why he stood out amongst all the other candidates. So a few things, be authentic, be yourself. Whatever you're passionate about, put that out front, show people who you are. And that role that comes across for you would be the right one for you. Okay, there's no point to force fit yourself into a role that it's not quite who you are, right? So at the end of the day, you want to find a place that's the right uh, thing for you. That's number one. I think number two, we spoke about adaptability. So again, you know, I have to stress that. That's very important. Um, and Frank spoke about tech savviness. I think that's also very important. Keeping abreast of what's happening in the market. What are the best ways um, to connect uh, on an interview? Because all your interviews are going to be uh, remote interviews, virtual interviews, right? So how do you stand out in an interview? How do you stand out as a candidate? How do you present yourself? So maybe take this time to also uh, refresh your presentation skills virtually. <laughs> how do you present yourself virtually? How do you answer interview questions as well? I think those are some of the key things that you can use this time to brush up on. So when the job opportunity comes, that's your time to shine. Thank you very much, Serena. So Joshua, from a business owner point of view, so do you have any other advice that you'd like to share with our audience here today? Yeah, um, I, I do agree very much with what Serena said about passion. Um, I just wanted to just uh, come down to two simple things for, for my own experience watching and interviewing and guiding also. Um, the first one is uh, initiative. Well, it, it, you, we can't find initiative. It's very hard to find initiative in, um, in an interview. So maybe that's, that's something that may or may not come through. Uh, but uh, it's in, in an organization when you are, I'm sorry to say, by the bottom of the food chain, you are just fresh, you join. Um, what we need, what we want is, uh, what we want to see is just initiative, willingness to do, willingness to step up. And, and, Surprisingly, sometimes uh, it doesn't come as easy because you will be, you know, self-doubt. You will have, uh, you'll be thinking, overthinking the situation. You think that, ah, somebody's better than me. Someone's going to do it. But um, sometimes we don't need the right person. We just need someone willing to do something, step into the gap. So initiative is one thing. So that will get you, actually get you very far. You know, in army, anywhere, some people who just step forward may not be always the coolest person, right? We all want to be cool. But it's always the person that the leader looks to, you know, the teacher looks looks to. So that's one. But one thing I I I I always look for in an interview um, as an interviewer is uh, willingness to learn. Now, and that that is a bit counterintuitive because uh, you spent 
let's say your, your degree is four years, all right? So, or poly, three years, regardless. Your last year, you are the biggest shot in the school. You have completed all your classes. You've done all your exams. You are graduating. Everyone's looking towards you. You are, um, you are looked up to, all right? So, you're the biggest. You, 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 you've reached the pinnacle of that ecosystem, right? Poly, uh, ITE, uni, anywhere. You are the top of the, you are the top of the ecosystem. And then you go to an organization and you go to a new place and you start at the bottom again. It's, it's that dropping off the cliff. But I, I feel sometimes people retain that ambition of being on top, that feeling, that euphoria of being on top. And then they think that they, think that they subconsciously or not, they bring it into the organization or into the interview. And then straight away, as, as, I mean, as interviewers, maybe we have five, seven, ten years of experience. We, we, we interview somebody, we're looking for someone who doesn't have to know everything. Absolutely, we never expected you to know everything. Um, but we want to know that we, we are, you are coming to be imparted the relevant skills to contribute back. And it will take six months, one year. It, it's not like you join today, tomorrow you're going to contribute. Even if you are a designer and I throw you a work, it, I don't expect you to get it right the next day. You know? So let alone business development, marketing, accounts, everything. So, but there is that cliff drop. And I think not everybody acknowledged that cliff drop and so um, in an interview, we really look for people who are willing to learn. So my industry across the board, uh, I, I can't speak for maybe very, very niche industries, IT or research, but retail, um, businesses, um, consultants, these are not things that are very, very difficult to learn. And likewise, they're not very difficult to teach. But if you come in with the, with the resistance, like I already know, I don't, really want, to, I don't want to listen to you that much. I, I'm going to answer, I'm going to, how do I put it? Like, you're going to complete my sentence because you come across as you already know. I'm going to find it gonna, it's going to be a hard time for me to concentrate on my own work and then to also guide and train you. And then that may be um, something that sets uh, you apart. But somebody who comes and says, um, this is my, what I, I've, I've done, you know, through my education. I'm, I'm wanting to learn, teach me, you know, I'm good to go. You know, things like that. I find that that is very attractive. Um, when, when presented properly. So that is, that is just a bit of my own two cents. Um, one more thing to say though, is that the, the market will change again. This is, this is, this has over, um, COVID-19 has obviously overhauled the workplace. So um, the way companies hire, um, uh, the way, uh, what Serena said is true. You got to practice how to do a virtual interview, right? I mean, who, who, who have thought of that? Um, but even then, maybe the, the way we structure work hours will change. So um, how are you going to be effective working from home? Um, there's, how are you going to be effective being mentored when the boss is not beside you anymore or your, your HOD is not beside you anymore? How are you going to um, show initiative um, in a WhatsApp group? You know, things like that, will, it will change. And I suspect too, um, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about how can we also help the job market, right? And it could be very flexi hours. I can't pay you your full pay or what you want to, to get, you know, but if it means... Um, flexi pay with flexi hours, but it, at least it keeps you busy. It keeps you learning. It keeps you involved. It keeps you inside group discussions that you can learn. Maybe that's something to work with first until this thing, you know, until the end of the year. And then we can mutually say that, okay, the market is better. If you find something good for yourself, you can go. But these things will change. And um, maybe it's, it's up to the students, like the graduates to be flexible and to be ready to, to see whether you can fit into something. And this can fit to you as well. Your, your perspective as well. So yeah, maybe maybe that may change. I, I don't know. Thank you, Jasha. Now I believe we do have some working young working professionals here with us today. 
And so the third question might be of interest to, uh, to some of you here. So would it be advisable for someone with working experience to consider a career switch at this point in time? Would Serena or Frank like to take this question first? Sure, I can go first. Um, I think at the end of the day, you need to ask yourself, where are you heading to? Where do you want to head to at the end of the day? If let's say your aim is to be the CEO and you want to do a career switch right now because you want to pick up the different experiences, say from HR, you want to move to finance or something else and the opportunity comes about, that's something to consider. The other thing to also think about is where are you in terms of your own personal financial situation? With all career switches, there's some amount of risk, okay? Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. There's going to be some amount of risk if that organization is going through some form of restructuring. You've heard of last in, first out, right? So there is some amount of risk associated with that. Now, if you are relatively uh, still young in your career, you don't have much financial uh, obligations, and an opportunity comes along, sure, take it up. Take it up, get the experience and go and learn it. I think that's great. Um, so there is no one direct answer for it. At the end of the day, the question you ask yourself is where are you heading to? Is that career switch uh, important enough for you to take the risk? Can you afford that risk? So these are the three questions you need to ask yourself. That's my view. I see. Thank you, Serena. So how about Frank? What is your take on this issue of career switch amidst COVID-19. Yeah, I agree with uh, Serena because you need to assess your personal financial situation. Uh, and this is actually uh, beyond financial situation, there's also your personal health situation. If you, are, if you are strong, you know, if you are not suffering from insomnia right now, right, some of, you, some of uh, people are, I know, uh, if you have a strong mental mindset, and uh, as what uh, Jesh, Jesh has uh, shared, if you uh, believe that you're someone with a good learning agility, with a growth mindset, you know, you think that you are resilient enough to shoulder some of the pains along the way. Uh, bear in mind that when you get into an, any, any new, new role, there is an upward uh, learning curve. There's a steep learning curve, right? If you're ready to shadow that and your past experience you have shown to yourself and to uh, your employer that you have done that successfully, then there is, you can some confidence. We even want to take the risk and uh, change a uh, job, right? Especially uh, if it's a role that is in line, like what Serena has said, in line with your long-term goal and you are, you are passionate about, it aligns with your personal purpose in life and you believe that it's an organization that can support you along the way. Um, but uh, having said that, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll suggest a caution because um, it's not easy to get a job right now and uh, some companies uh, are, may not last uh, very long. Some are, are in the process of going through retrenchments so uh, it's good to uh, be more circumspect in terms of uh, thinking about new opportunities at the moment. If you're contributing well, if an asset to a current company and the company provides you with learning opportunities, uh, I would suggest that you really think twice before considering switching jobs. I see. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing with us your opinion on this, Frank. And now moving on to the fourth question. As we all know, COVID-19 has pretty much affected travel, uh, traveling worldwide. And this has consequences on both um, on a personal as well as on an organizational level. So on this note, we'd like to find out how will COVID-19 affect regional and international job prospects or business expansion plans? 
So I think Jesha will be able to provide us with some insights on this issue since he oversees the internationalization plans of Yakun. Jesha? Yeah, thanks. Um, okay, firstly, uh, internationalization is both um, a very grounded discussion, but also it's a bit of, um, it's, it's, I would say, a bit of a state of mind as well. So what is international? To, if, you are, if you are an employee in Singapore um, and your business is about opening overseas, uh, some people can do it remotely, you know? It's about, um, take for example, a law firm. They can, they can it's, everything can be done. A lot of it, I, I won't say everything, I beg your pardon. A lot of it can be done remotely. But, um, and, and if you are currently now from audience from around the world, if you are a Singaporean living in another country or an international living in Singapore, that is your international market. If you can, if you can afford it, stay and work to gain that experience, that, that will add to your own journey as well. Um, the reality to me is that there will, be a def, a, there will be a slowdown in internationalization of companies both ways. So um, my read is that um, Singapore, will, uh, Singapore companies may slow down their, their growth overseas. I can speak for myself as well. And conversely, other countries, um, um, other companies from outside will 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 uh, will will slow down their, their their entry into Singapore. And let me just quickly share why. Um, what what we learn, what we can see right now, and, and Frank also definitely touched. Uh, Frank touched on this, and we can see it is that um, right now companies are downsizing. They are they are they are cash strapped. Cash flow is tight. So what is what's the natural reaction for both um, people and companies and directors going forward? Make sure you can create a, a strong cash reserve. That's, that's globally. So from government to um, companies to families, everyone is saying, you, we need to have a cash reserve. We never know what will happen. What, uh, how are we going to react? So you need a cash reserve. Therefore, companies are going to look to various areas. They're not going to cut off a whole department. I hope not. I hope not. But um, the likelihood is they're going to take a little bit from every department. Um, and then uh, scale back a bit of the ambitious plans that we all had in 2018-2019 and um, be more realistic. So uh, we are definitely going to see um, slower growth. Maybe countries, uh, maybe maybe um, businesses will look into just maintaining the presence in whatever countries they have. No point, no point turning around now. I mean, you're already there. You have investment there to so just continue, but not open into new countries, not be so ambitious and not be so um, uh, risk-taking. And then similarly, we are not going to see as many foreign companies come because they themselves are also um, um, saving for the future. They are also building up this, this cash reserve. So we are definitely going to see something of that. But that does not mean that if you are internationally minded, you have no place here because this will all, um, this will, we will get through this and there will be a time when um, globalization will come back and we are all going to be interconnected once more. So in the meantime, I would, uh, I would say still study still read extensively, um, talk to people about the situation there because how people, how a country reacts is a reflection of the culture of the people there. So for example, China, lockdown, they're very obedient. They all abide, they do their thing. So you know, this is their culture. This is sort of their business. Um, this is their, it's a reflection of their culture. New Zealand, other countries, Europe, you know, observe their culture. This is also how they will respond to the recovery. This is how they will respond to, um, uh, this, this is how they will recover and this is how they will help to rebuild their economy. So there's, there is a trend and um, use the time well, use the time now to observe, to study because uh, everybody likes an, a country expert, the, the, the go-to guy. So if you, you have a wealth of experience, 
whether is it whether is it um, physically or you know extensive reading research interviews um, you will be an asset wherever you are um, so I find that that will be something that uh, will come in useful as well so yes growth will slow but it doesn't mean your personal growth will slow down uh, keep keep growing keep learning thanks thank you Jesha now would um, Serena or Frank like to add on perhaps on how this outbreak will affect international or regional job prospects for individuals? Okay, maybe I can um, just add on to what Joshua said. Um, so if, like you are, like what Joshua said, if you are looking at relocation or international mobility, obviously in the short term uh, is very difficult, right? In fact, uh, even for some of the companies I know of, um, you know, for multinationals, they have employees are working, let's say, in Singapore, in Singapore, but uh, they were stuck in other countries, right? Right now, uh, coming coming back to Singapore is a challenge because uh, they may not be able even to get um, the work uh, permit during renew, right? I think uh, more, more, many employers just for the Singapore situation has experienced that, and I think many of you who have studied overseas, back in Singapore right now, you know what I mean, right? So international mobility is a challenge in the short term. Hopefully when COVID is over and who knows how long it's going to be, one year, one and a half years maybe, um, then there is a uh, international mobility possibilities. Now, uh, but having said that, as what Jasher said, uh, doing international business doesn't mean having to be relocated to another country. It can be uh, doing it remotely or running a regional business. And uh, for instance, right now, I'm running the business in Asia uh, without being able to go to different parts of, of Asia, right? Uh, my teams uh, who's running Southeast, who's doing business in Southeast Asia, they're all based in Singapore. So we hire Indonesians, Thais, uh, Malaysians in Singapore, and uh, they will fly into uh, those countries, but now they can't. And so there is need to be uh, some flexibility when we consider international business, uh, but it's good, first of all, to have a global mindset. Right. Uh, secondly, it's good to have a network of uh, international uh, connections so that uh, you can actually reach out when the opportunity arises. Thank you, Frank. Serena, do you have anything to add on this? Uh, I think the other thing that would be important uh, is as you look at uh, regional roles, so to Frank's point, yes, you can do a regional role from one location. You don't really have to travel. But I also agree with Frank point, Frank's point. We have an employee that we were looking to relocate uh, to Malaysia and we could not because the whole process stopped because of the COVID-19 and it's delayed that process. Mm -hmm. uh, having said that, I think if you're looking at an international or a regional role, should that role come about, uh, it's also important to understand the culture. Jesha mentioned about looking at how uh, people react to the situation, which would reflect how they react to the business moving forward. And this is about culture, right? So there are a number of uh, websites online that you can go to to understand the differences in culture of different nationalities. Uh, it is important for you to understand because as you're going to have meetings and all that remotely, it's even more difficult to connect with a person on video conferencing compared to if you're there with, with a person. So understanding the culture, understanding, for example, if a Japanese were to go, that doesn't mean they're agreeing with you, right? They're just saying, I hear you. So it's important to understand all these little nuances so that when you see them on video conferencing, you can pick up, pick up on this 
and under, and there'll be um, minimize the miscommunication that takes place. I yeah. see. Thank you very much, Serena. And now I think there are some Singaporean students here who are currently studying or who have graduated from universities overseas, just like Sophia and I. So the next question will probably be of great interest to all of you. So what are some advantages that Singaporeans have uh, who have graduated uh, from universities overseas or are currently they, um, studying there? Um, what kind of advantages will they, uh, might they have in the local job market? And how can they better prepare themselves for local job opportunities, especially if they didn't have any prior um, internship experience in Singapore? Would any of uh, speakers like to share your view on this? Maybe I'll, I'll go. Um, I, I think this, there are a number of students here uh, who are studying in China. And I think you have a great advantage there. China is one of the biggest growth markets across Asia Pacific, right? So when we look at, say, fresh graduate to fill a role, and we want someone to have the ability to expand beyond the current job scope eventually, because you don't hire just for your existing role, you hire for growth. Mm -hmm. uh, having that experience in China and being able to understand the China market and seeing, you know, um, bringing your knowledge there to the interview and to present to the interviewer what you know, uh, would stand out as an advantage because we'll go, ah, oh, okay, if we hire this person now, subsequently when we want to grow and develop further in China, there's a possibility maybe we can get this person to oversee the China market as well. So I think uh, those are some of the things that you have. So if you have overseas experience uh, and you want to prepare for it, really explain what you understand, explain what you're seeing, share some of your thoughts and ideas of what you're seeing, where you are. That's the advantage that you have over there. Thank you very much, Serena. Just to add that, uh, I agree uh, with Serena. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, when employers are looking for people, uh, as if for a certain market, uh, the cultural awareness and sensitivity, understanding of the market uh, is a key factor uh, to consider. Um, and that's why, in fact, uh, in many universities over, over the world right now, the good ones at least, uh, you have a stint. Right. Regardless of which country you're in, you have a stint in a university in another country for at least one semester. Right? And that gives, uh, you know, first of all, an understanding of a different culture and also develops a global mindset. But let's say uh, if someone uh, who is studying overseas and wants to do a role that's in Singapore, right? so the question is, that does it, uh, is it an advantage or disadvantage? Um, so my view is that uh, you know, that's not what employers are looking for. You know, the basic skills of uh, what Jeshua and Serena has mentioned about adaptability, about having a growth mindset, about uh, having learning agility, right? About, uh, you know, having resilience, right? Uh, all these are important besides, uh, you know, the technical skills that uh, are required for the job. And um, during the interview, people would, uh, you know, the employers would really seek to understand whether such qualities uh, are in existence with the, uh, the candidates. Obviously, uh, in this current world, uh, tech skills are important. At, uh, I mean, I think tech savviness is important. At the same time, uh, being able to work across culture, work with other people, right, and collaborate with other people, and even uh, being comfortable virtually, I think it's going to be key, right? Obviously, um, academic uh, results is one consideration for fresh graduates. I mean, for, for experienced workers, it's less of a consideration, but for fresh graduates, uh, people do look at this, but uh, 
I must say, get being less and less. Looking at this, right? Uh, there are certain companies who are looking at uh, diversity and inclusion as well. So uh, for people who are, you know, in I would say uh, segments that uh, may not be so-called the, the, the main segment, there, there may be some uh, favorable. Uh, there may be they send a more favorable chance. Thank you, Frank. So, Joshua, what what is your take on this issue? Um, okay, so so uh, just very briefly, I just want to say that uh, studying overseas, um, spending time overseas is a definitely a privilege, and you have to um, appreciate and understand that if somebody is funding it, whether it is some uh, someone is funding your time there, your housing, it can be FMS, it can be a scholarship, right? But if somebody's funding, it, so it's a privilege. Um, but it's also uh, it's also a little bit of a trade off. And I say this to the audience who are in uh, who are currently overseas or have experiences that um, whether is this uh, uh, okay? We're not talking about direct um, interview where you just show up and you interview in the good old days or right now virtual. Um, a lot of times, if you need somebody, an expert in something, or you need, um, it's in, in in a freelance industry. Let's say you graduated with art, you graduated with um, uh, a music or something like that. What, when somebody, when, when an event or coordinator needs somebody, what do they do? Do they put up an ad? No, they go to the WhatsApp group and say, hey, anybody knows a, a, a last minute, you know, producer or something, or right? So there's, there's a trade-off of the network. So what, um, our, 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 our dear friends who study in Singapore would have had four years of networking and beyond just the community in the school, um, um, freelancing, interning, whatever you want to call it, right? Who, who, um, who have that network. So they will be the first top of mind. So my, my recommendation to those who are returning, graduating, coming back to Singapore is that first, you have had a wonderful privilege of um, seeing, tasting, experiencing something that's totally out, um, totally out of this, uh, totally out of, out of uh, the sphere of what, Singapore, what, what your peers around you have. So not to mention, you have to contextualize because you can't say, um, I mean, no matter how you use words to explain to me what Nanjing is, or what Hokkaido is. If you've never been there, you, 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 you can't follow along. So um, contextualize your learning back to your market. All right? Uh, whether is it London or, or Bloomsbury or wherever, contextualize it back. But then the next thing is also that um, um, network. When you come back, uh, be gentle about it. Don't be that overly zealous individual. But network, network as well because um, you, you need to catch up. You will definitely need to catch up. Let's say you're a lawyer, you just came back. No one, I mean, you may join a firm, but no one will, no one will come to you for advice because just nobody knows that you're a lawyer or a musician or an artist. So you need to network on that front. However, that being said, I also want to address our local graduates because Singapore has an excellent uh, system and an excellent system transitioning them into the workforce as well. And they bring a lot to the table. They, you, uh, they, you, you bring a lot to the table. You bring a lot of grounded experience as well. And sometimes that is also very, very critical. So what you need to do then is to um, find every opportunity. Now, when you go overseas for holiday, for, for internship, you can see the lens of, you can see what's happening there through the lens of Singapore because you gain a Singapore um, education. Your professors were very much either local professors or foreign professors who have lived in Singapore for very long. So when you go to um, Dubai, you see you see, uh, you see Dubai through Singapore lens and how it affects Singapore and things like that. So that is your advantage. So both have different advantages. Be humble to learn, be willing to, to use it.
Thank you. Thank you, Jesha. And thank you all so much for your insightful opinions in the moderated discussion. I'm sure all of our audience or many of our audience have questions to follow up with. And you may do so now by sending in your questions into the chat room below. Should you wish to direct the question to a specific speaker, please indicate the name of the speaker when you are posting your question. And now let us move on to the Q&A segment. I'll hand the time over to Sophia. And that was the end of our panel discussion in part one. When we come back, we'll have the exciting Q&A session with our panelists in part two. Stick around.